0: and legal consulting organization that operates at the intersection of law, business and technology. Through a powerful combination of our technology analytical thinking, we find solutions for business that goes way beyond legal, whether it is our AI powered technology, our analytical and predictive um, analytics, we oper- we are um, able to help legal firms make the most of the digital disruption. So with that, I will hand over and introduce you to our speakers who really need no introduction. Very first, we have Karina Vessels, who is the Executive for Governance, Legal, and um, Compliance at Alexander Forbes, a financial services organization that operates in South Africa and Africa. Karina, over to you to really just introduce yourself and really maybe just kick us off and start with during COVID, we cannot ignore it. It has really disrupted operations of organizations. How has your team been able to manage through that disruption? And what have you been able to implement? And what has changed in your legal team, if any? As, as you said, under the, the governance legal and compliance
1: teams um, at, at Alexander Forbes, we um, are slightly different from a legal perspective in that we serve both internal and external clients. There's a number of our service level agreements that include legal services and, and legal advice and, and sort of peripheral legal advice to, to our clients. So it is quite unique from a from an in-house um, you know service service perspective. So as you said, um, you know COVID really catapulted us into a, a different frame of reference and a different view of looking at, at our business. And I think initially, you know, the, the biggest challenge was the remote working aspects. And some of the adaptations that it forced us into were quite primitive, you know, just having legal documents delivered at and- at team members' houses instead of at the office, so it's so really not uh, you know moving moving the bar quite 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 substantially. But it also yeah. had us you know right at the outset um, you, know, um, you know sort of renegotiate a, a fairly large transaction with a new York counterparty in 48 hours. It was something that took up until that point you know three four five months to, to negotiate. And and, and changed very rapidly you know, because of the, the market changes as, the, as a result of COVID, and portions of that transaction also, you know, led to, to us having the first ever fully really virtual Sheldon meeting in, in South Africa. And I yeah. think the big the big theme around that is that it, it did really change our minds around around what was possible. And I think when you and I spoke a few months ago, I, I said to you that. Our ability to still service our internal and external clients, not only just from a legal perspective, but generally from an Alexander Forbes perspective, um, has changed our minds in terms of what our business may look like in the future. And and when we last spoke, it, you know, we were quite you know still at the infancy of, of of some of our thinking, and that's progressed quite a bit in terms of really designing you know what we what we want to want to look look at as, as a beta normal and not just the, not just the new the normal new right right
0: absolutely i find that um a lot of clients say that as the business is seeing legal as their strategic partner a whole lot more through the challenges that we've had to face and suddenly some of um, the automations or the digital changes have been approved despite companies going through so much uh, financial challenges at this time before I introduce Verity I'd really just like to ask a question to um, our audience I'd like to know the percentage of audience that's from law firm or in-house and with that if you could just and this it's not going to be scientific but just give us a rough estimate of what you think the percentage of time your legal team is still spending on some manual processes that could really be automated or that you find is really just not a good use of your time. And while you answer that in the chat, let me introduce Ms. Verity White from Telstra. She really needs no introduction to this audience and really no introduction at all. She is a legal counsel and automation coach at Telstra, one of the largest telecommunication um, companies in Australia. Verity is very passionate about digital transformation and really just bringing lawyers along the journey with her and really finding better optimized ways in which you're able to um apply legal services verity i'd like to hand over to you to introduce yourself and in the introduction if you could maybe just touch on i know that um telstra has probably been on this journey a whole lot longer than some of the south african audience that we have um there was also uh, the legal team and telstra has gone through some budget cuts so your legal team was under significant pressure to deliver the um, more with less and we always hear about this, but you really had to live through that process and how was your team able to really deliver value during that process?
2: Well, thank you so much. Naomi. I really appreciate that introduction. It's very you really set the bar pretty high there. So hopefully <laughs> we can we can meet that. Uh, so yeah, Telstra is one of Australia's, well, it is Australia's largest telecommunications company. And up until about two years ago, we had about 200 lawyers um, in the legal team. And uh, we actually had uh, went through a period of change that was uh, aiming for Telstra 22 in in 2022, called T22. It was a big change program. And so we cut, not me personally, but the legal team was cut by 25%, which was you know kind of confronting what do we do uh, with twenty five percent less lawyers and and a lot of lawyers were quite happy to move on and, and it was done in quite a thoughtful way uh, but obviously quite stressful for everyone to go through uh, the digitization journey that the company's gone on as a whole uh, and that process as a legal team, actually put us in a really good position when COVID came in. We, uh, everyone had the option to work from home uh, already. And so we were able to transition everyone to uh, working from home pretty quickly in the legal team. And all of the roles are flexible at Telstra, which is great. We have uh, lots of you know collaboration tools so that that made life quite easy from the at least the doing work from home perspective. So I think we were able to hit the ground running um, from you know, when COVID came in, I think some of the biggest challenges for myself in the legal team that i'm in which is enterprise customer contracting so on one hand we had government departments who all of a sudden needed to get a whole bunch of kids doing you know at home learning and then we also had entire call centers within australia where they needed to move all their team members at home uh, to to work from home and then we had other customers uh, like airlines who might not need services you know so we had this kind of very very peaks and troughs of demand and and different needs so i think uh it was kind of all hands on deck but uh the leadership team really assembled uh key uh, teams to kind of work through and triage a lot of the issues so we were able to um, get some business training out really quickly everyone wanted to know if it was force majeure and what's going on and so I think that's a, of a common experience we never thought that we'd have to deliver um, emergency training on force majeure although Thinking about it now, it seems silly why we didn't like. What it seems like, of course, we should have had this in place. So, uh, so, so uh, those have been kind of my initial thoughts on on COVID and and that, that approach. But yeah, it was. We we're very lucky that we were in that digitized frame of mind already.
0: Right. And um, it always makes life so much easier when you have your stakeholders already having bought into um, a solution or bought into the um, digital um, disruption. So i touching on that. You have developed... A, um, a triage solution in which the legal team can really just triage some of what is important to them. Can you maybe just share some uh, more technology examples that Charles sure. has implemented to assist with automation? Yeah, so uh,
2: we're, we've had quite a few different technology uh, approaches to different patches of work, and I, I think it's it's come down to different. The data that people wanted, the, the leadership team wanted to be able to see kind of what is the work that's going on. How can we plan for work? How can we budget? And without the systems in place, it's quite hard to find that data. So I think that was one patch, kind of one reason for getting some of the intake and triage uh, in place. But with uh, with our the way that we run our legal teams, it's like we've got about you know eight to ten mini. Um, legal teams. They're all doing different things. We've got buy side, we've got sell side, we've got regulatory, we've got disputes, we've got employment, we've got products and marketing and IP. So obviously lots of different lawyers We have to try and find a triage so that we could identify the work that we want, what we were actually doing. So creating a service catalogue for the work that we do as a team and then What's great about that is you can, once you systematize it, you can actually then package it up nicely in a bow, explain it really well, and then um, delegate it to either paranormals or different things, different which has a big impact on our team. So uh, it's great to have that service catalog option where you can find other people to do at the right time and the right level. Yeah,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Karina, if I may, maybe just move to you. So um, from a technology perspective, what were some of the um, solutions that you were able to implement across your governance or legal teams?
1: I think we definitely, as we said at the outset, Naomi, is is lagging from, I think, generally from a South African perspective, especially listening to some of what Verity has, has said. And I think, unfortunately, what COVID has also brought on, um, you know, more than ever before, is the is the you know economic challenges and the and the budget constraints that we, that we have to face. Yes. Um, so so yeah. So from a from a governance perspective, we probably were the, the first you know uh, team that that adopted in the board of GLC, um, enabling our board interactions and and um, you know, board information and and, and voting on resolutions, signing of documents um, virtually. From a legal perspective, we implemented one of Exigen's products, um, Chameleon, in terms of the contract management um, system, and, and that has worked, worked very well. We do, however, want to still expand um, the, the functionalities and and optimize that that further and really you know sweat, sweat that asset. Um, from a compliance perspective, quite excited that we'll actually um, be piloting um, our resident uh, our newest resident AI, which is called Sophie so sophie will start helping us to to automate and digitize some of our um, section 27 of of, of the thick act um, reporting requirements but we really still are you know at the at the early stages of of, of where, we, where we want to want to go and definitely want to learn from you know those like like verity and 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 others in in that space
0: i just want to touch back on if we look at legal operations right it is not only about technology it is technology processes and people and i often think that people are probably the most important part of the two they hold those two together so verity just thinking about telstra they are always innovative as you've shared some of your examples always looking at how you can do things better what were some of the processes that you have implemented and in that have you looked at an in-source outsource model and maybe utilizing whether that was either internally or externally and what has really just bolstered your team to be able to utilize some processes
2: yeah if it wasn't for those pesky people getting in the way our systems would be super efficient you know people you know clients would stop asking questions we'd be able to get so much done uh no you're exactly right uh Naomi and uh i think uh you know, touching on that kind of service catalog approach uh working we as you would know we ...and have that flexible outsourcing approach where uh, in some instances Exogen is just kind of part of our team and they run with a particular type of work uh, that's packaged up and it's got some defined rules around uh, here's the kind of, here's your set answers and here's how you can work on this, Uh, whereas if there's escalations it comes back into the Telstra legal team and in other instances I've done a few Um, throw some curveballs to Exigent where I'm like I think I kind of want you to do this thing or could you please go through and get all these readability statistics out of all of these documents so that then we can measure this particular thing? And uh, and, and it's uh, the other thing that I love about working with Exigent is the time difference from, for us in Australia is great. So we can finish up at you know, 6 p.m. and <laughs> leave it to Exigent and they can um, do it overnight and come back and we've got this beautiful uh finish particular product uh of of legal services based on the service catalog so those are some of the advantages uh we we've seen from working with an outsourced service provider uh, and that um, it is. I mean, I, I know everyone's, especially in Australia, there's a big focus on mental health. I know that for the legal profession in general, that is a big focus, and I think it should continue to be. Uh, and one of the things that you can do to help de stress your legal team is to just have that option for it outsourced. If you if you can, um, once you once you develop the guidelines, you can package it up, and you'd be like i don't have to think about this i can handle it and know that it's getting taken care of which is um actually quite relaxing in itself in a lot of ways so that's some of the benefits that i see of working with an outsource problem.
0: Oh, yes i absolutely love working with the exogen team as well i sometimes throw those questions at them as well a client would ask me to solve a problem and i look at am like Hmm. there's nothing in my staff of answers that I have. Can my, can my innovation team come up with answers? And I'm amazed at some of the solutions that they were able to really come up for, um, especially using some of the data that already sits within the legal team, right? Karina, do you have anything that you maybe like to add on um, how uh, processes or people that you were able to utilize as your um, as your power source within your team?
1: thanks Naomi and, and I think to, to touch the, the challenge of people um you know one of the the key focus areas that, that that I've been been working on the team with for probably for the last 12 months has been around change management specifically and really you know changing the mindsets towards a customer-centric focus be it internally and externally as well as just that general you know innovation mindset and the mantra of you know, can you do it better, faster, cheaper? And, you know, it's amazing how to some of us, you know, that comes naturally and that inclination to, you know, want to ask yourself, can I do this better or can I do this differently? But obviously to a lot of our more traditionalist um, lawyers or to your very specialist compliance individuals, it doesn't come naturally. And I think that's that's been some of the, um, you know, the challenges that i had to, you know, overcome from a, from a general change management um, perspective, just you know, in, in, in terms of the, the the team itself, and you know what I what I realised was that you know obviously some of them needed more assistance and needed more intervention. So what we started to do, um, you know, is to have sort of smaller bespoke innovation sessions, where you know I really try and unpack the wastage and unpack the blockages in the system, and really try and challenge them to find different ways to look at you know the um, you know current problems, and um, you know. A lot of the team obviously their, their first response or their natural inclination is to ask for additional staff when when there's capacity constraints or when you know when there's you know difficulty to deliver. And even before the you know the economic challenges or the budget constraints of, of COVID, you know, my natural answer is no. Not because I want to make it tough for the team, but because I do believe that there needs to be a different answer, um, other than just you know more people. And, you know sometimes that answer is legal process outsourcing and I think we, we've also made that work quite well in, in certain of our, of our areas specifically around our, our supply chain um, agreements and, and, and contracts where where exigence has really you know enabled us to, to um, you know prepare the playbooks and to, and to progress the, the standardization in that space but then there are certain other areas where, where we realized that the, the outsourcing model you know, does not work as as, as well. Um, but i think it's only through having those sessions and really through looking at the detail of the problem that you're trying to, to to solve that you can come up with what the right solution is for 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 the business
0: absolutely love that karina and um it is a um it's a test right you your test is something working can we do it better and unless you say no uh, people will never start thinking about how they can actually do this um better i um just want to touch on an earlier point that you made how your ai tool is called sophie it's very nice to note that all these ai tools are female so uh ours is called scarlet so i think scarlet and Sophie will become very good friends sometime in the future <laughs> i was looking to see if there's any questions from the audience and if you do have any questions for our panelists please do post it in um the chat panel but verity if what advice do you have for some of our uh, GCs or in our legal teams that has joined the session today that may be not as far on their um, efficiency or transformation journey as your team is. Where do they start, and how can they get the buy-in that is so critical from the legal from the leadership team?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. Uh, buy-in is super important, and I. Uh, the, to, to get the impact, it's all about aligning what you're doing in the legal team with the overarching organisational strategy or the overarching firm strategy because you might be sitting there and you, you know, oh, I hate, hate doing this particular type of contract, or oh, it's such a waste of time. But if you're looking at it from your own perspective, it's never – no one's going to care about it because it's it's helping you and your team. How is it helping the business as a whole? How is it helping your customers? How is it? What's that that kind of what's in it for me or what's in it for the client mentality? And I think um, Karina was talking about that as well, being you know client focused and, and customer focused and making sure that you are having the impact uh, on that ultimate mission. And that's how people will you'll have a greater uh buy-in but it also keeps everyone motivated i think because it might be motivating for you to um to fix a particular problem so that means yeah great i don't have to do that work anymore i've automated it but if it doesn't impact anyone else it's not going to go very far so i think you can pick something that's really personal to you if you're wanting to test and learn and try a few different things because that passion will keep you going as you kind of churn through to try and solve the problem But to have a large scalable impact, if you need to make that systems change at the bottom of the pyramid, as opposed to just changing the the top of the pyramid, that that individual piece of work, then you need to bring everyone along to have more impact.
0: We have a question here from Jason, and he says, other than efficiencies and additional support, um, when there's capacity constraints, have you seen any commercial gains arising from, number one, the use of technology, and number two, from using a managed service beyond purely a legal offering? And I'll open that to either one of you that wants to take that question.
1: Well, I think from, and I think Verity must, must definitely tell us about her experience, but I think from a legal process outsourcing perspective and in our environment, um, definitely, the ability to to flex and contract, um, you know, more easily as your as your workload um, changes, just the financial benefit around that, and and you know, reducing your overall overheads uh, as a result, um, you know, of, of, of that of that flexibility, um, and you know, but but a lot of it, I, I suppose, is is the counter side of what would go wrong if if these things do not work well. For instance, Chameleon, in terms of the contract management processes and the, the, the time and the effort that it takes to find information when you go through a transaction or, you know, I'm sure many of the individuals on the call have gone through an IPO and, and the kind of work that, that goes into, you know, uh, gath- gathering all of that information before that process starts. Um, so any contract management system, uh, you know, the benefits in terms of the efficiency in any of those processes and just overall improved records management and, and, and record keeping. Um, definitely um, is, is, is financially worthwhile
2: and, and I might just add from a from a really specific example I think that uh, especially in-house there's a lot of latent demand for legal services or legal advice which you might not always be able to capture just by throwing more bodies a particular set of problems so uh, for example uh, we've worked to automate a a very basic one-page settlement and release agreement whereas previous and it's only um, able to be used up to a certain value so we estimated, you know, this would be a good one to do. You know, it's, it's not. This, we don't spend heaps of time on it, but it's it's short and easy and it kind of takes one task off. So we estimated a particular amount of times that this document got used. Then we automated it and we found that we had actually underestimated that by about 80%. So we're like, oh, my goodness, what were people doing before? Were they not signing an agreement? Were they just handing over, you know, wads of cash and not getting, like, that sign? Like, so we uh, were... Now there's this latent demand that wasn't being serviced like underneath the iceberg type um, legal services, but we weren't actually doing more legal work, but we were adding that extra value. So we were providing more services with less uh, actual physical legal time. So that is a great um, way that legal can extend the reach of your legal team and also minimise the risk as well. So it's kind of both both sides of the fence
0: yeah you end up getting a dual benefit that is often unexpected and uh being able to leverage that is absolutely wonderful so we have another question from leone ellis she said in her research that she's been doing um she noted it interesting that there's a difference between what business thinks is a priority versus what legal does would we agree and if so do you how do you align the two I think
1: I will start with you, Karina. Thanks, Leonie. Excellent, excellent question and and absolutely true. Um, And and it, it very much touches on what I mentioned earlier on around our focus for the last year, not only as a business in terms of getting closer to our external client and that translating into objectives, you know, per internal department as well. But but really honing in on that from a legal services and and a, and a GLC in in our case perspective generally, um, because there is often a complete mismatch between you know the the, the very focused and very detailed um, you know intentions of of a legal department versus the commercial realities and 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 the real business that's happening you know on the on the business side. So some of what we've done is just as I said earlier on um, really focusing on change management and really. sort of drumming in that mantra about client centricity and about engaging with the clients and speaking with the clients and managing their expectations, as well as understanding their expectations. Um, But a key thing that we, I suppose, changed in the last year is is assigning um, relationship managers from the GLC perspective to the the different business areas. And we have these relationship um, managers attend all of the management committee meetings and the risk meetings in, in those particular areas. Um, so that they really start understanding the business better, and and better understand what the real issues are, and it also enables you to be a lot more um, proactive in your in your engagement and in your advice um, to to business generally from a you know from a governance, legal, and compliance perspective, rather than you know being the the policeman or the you know or the, or the you know the backstop at the end of a process, or only getting involved when someone. know really needs uh, an agreement signed or or, you know needs to conclude a, a transaction so being part of that that constant process and constant conversation and and but fundamentally but very fundamentally a change in mindset around me as a specialist and just looking at what i think is important versus looking at the commercial realities and looking at how do i better serve the overall business and enable the overall business in order for the business to meet its, its objectives and not just me individually to meet you know, my objectives.
2: I love that, Karina, and it actually makes me miss uh, working in the office and I used to love sitting in with, you know, with the, your team that you're working with um, once or twice a week so that you can actually hear the conversations that are going and you can you can understand some of the priorities. I, I think uh, in terms of aligning what the business does and what the legal team does, uh, obviously everyone has to be working towards the same common goal. But to some extent, I think it's it's... It's good and um, appropriate to have a little bit of healthy tension there because, for example, if you've got a legal team and a marketing team that everything is always fine and and there's never any any, um, argy-bargy or kind of arguments, then either the marketing team's not kind of pushing the boundaries enough or the legal team is being too relaxed. So I think there should be a little bit of back and forth and those healthy positive discussions because the lawyers need to be able to explain the risks appropriately and can't just be going like, no, we're not doing this. And the business needs to be able to explain the strategy and make the decision if there is a risk that's presented. So I think the priorities, uh, if there is an issue with priorities, then it it should be the top from the top down in terms of what what's what's the board set as the priority, what's the CEO talking about, what's the senior leadership team? talking about is the priority and is everyone actually doing that in reality because if your values that you're spruiking or your overall mission is one thing but then once the board meeting is over then everyone's like okay sell 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 at all costs that's where you get misaligned priorities so i think um yes aligning towards the overarching strategy is good but a few day-to-day differences because you know, lawyers have specific things that they need to do from an ethical standpoint, that don't always align with what a salesperson wants to do to try and get that double commission or whatever it is that they need to get done that month. So um, so I don't know if that helps you, Leonie, but I'd be interested to follow up and find out what what your research uncovers. It sounds really interesting. Thank you for the question.
0: Right. Yes, I absolutely agree with you, Verity. Always about aligning the legal's vision to that of the organization, right? And taking them on their journey. The tension come in, and um, the legal team always being seen as a cost center instead of uh, the one that's bringing in the money. So it will always be the sales team's ex- um, initiatives that will be prioritized, or the client facing initiatives. So like really, just being able to demonstrate how um the initiatives from the legal team will really add value to the overall organization as sometimes where um i have seen in my experiences with chatting to some in house teams the um the challenge comes in um mostly so looking um looking ahead and maybe seeing we uh, technology is going and what your priorities are over the next 12 to 24 months, what do you think are some of the key priorities that in-house legal teams should potentially look at and prioritize that may? And I know people are in different journeys of um, the um, operate finding uh, efficiency or the technology journey, but just from your perspective, what do you think some of those focus areas should be? Karina, would you like to take that
1: first? <laughs> I, I wanted to say Verity can go, but I'll, I'm I'm happy to. Um I think just from a from a practical perspective, you know, with with you know our, our decision to to basically continue remote working as 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 the norm, there's there's a few um, you know problems that we need to solve for that I think can only be done through through technology. And some of it, as I say, are quite basic or, or it seems quite stupid if you you know if you talk about it from a from a from a you know focus perspective, but something as simple as commissioning um, you know documents, um, you know the 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 number of documents that, that we actually need to consider in this case when you um, as a business um, you know submit tenders um, that need to be considered, and and your counterparties unfortunately still want wet ink and still you know um, are quite traditionalist in in, in their view um, brings about some some practical challenges. Um, so. We are looking at um, you know, sort of at advanced electronic um, signature solutions, um, accredited um, solutions that would enable us to, to do work, work like that. So, so that's some of the you know some of the immediate priorities in, in terms of electronic signing of documents and, as I say, commissioning of, of, of documents. Um, then, you know, from a more from a people perspective, as we touched on on earlier. Um, now I am I'm quite concerned about you know the long-term impacts of, of remote working and how we continue to maintain um, you know the relationships and the morale and the team the team spirit. So obviously a lot of the the, the standard technology solutions you know allow us to to you know to see each other virtually and to, to have discussions. Um, but I you know I would really like to explore that further in terms of of, of optimizing those and and. Know, finding ways that really work for, for our team, um, because as I said, our intention is to is to remain remote, basically, indefinitely. Um, and then, you know, I think in general terms, um, as we said earlier on, there will be more cost pressure um, in, the, in the short term in terms of the economic impacts of, of, of COVID. Um, so that, that constant focus on doing more with less and be it through technology or be it through, you know, outsourcing partners. And I think outsourcing partners also you know would have to look differently at at, at their models and and ability to flex contracts and, and have you know contracts that can be you know easier renegotiated at, at short notice and and generally that flexibility built into much more into into processes I think will
0: will be critical um, in the next while as 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 well. Fair enough.
2: Uh, for me, uh, both uh, with Telstra and kind of my own work that I do outside of Telstra, I'm all about systems, system, system, systems. So even if you're not ready for technology or a particular type of technology, if you can even writing down what your current system is, it might not but even not having a system is a system. Uh, if you can start to sketch out the way that you do things, and then you know, as Karina said, you start to find the wastage within that, start to standardise it, then you you can actually start to package yourself up almost like a, like a franchise, and you can start to service. Have those service catalogues, you can start to be more consistent in the way that you're delivering advice, more consistent in the legal products that you're providing. Uh, so I am all about the systems. Um, there's a, there's a, I mean, it's an old, very old school book, uh, the E Myth. I don't know if anyone's ever read the E Myth, but there's e Myth Attorney uh, version of it that talks about systematization uh, for law firms, and I think it's really applicable for. Uh, in-house teams as well and there's a australian uh guy that called david jennings and he's written a book called systemology so i've just read systemology and it kind of blew my mind everything is systems uh, so if you perfect the system then you can kind of perfect you know the world so so hopefully by the end of next year i'll have fixed the world no i'm not sure about the world but i've got um yeah all about <laughs> all about systems so um uh, something that I'm working on is to, to, trying to map out you know onboarding processes and standard operating procedures to just try and get consistency and I think yeah so that's my 2021 Did I say systems enough? <laughs>
0: Was it, what did you say? Was it systems? I don't think I heard well. I think there was some interference. (laughs) So, Verity, when you talk about systems, are you referring to um, systems in terms of technology, IT, or are you referring to systems as in systems thinking that everything is a whole that fits into one another? Sorry, my mind just went off to a course I did on systems thinking, which was just one of the phenomenal
2: systems thinking is also amazing yeah when you start to yeah and it's something that um if you've seen out of the stanford d school the um legal design lab they have the triangle where systems you know system organization and and thinking is the bottom and then if you're redesigning a document and making it look really pretty that's just the top so no wonder you're always redesigning documents to try and fix those or because the bottom of the pyramid. So I'm definitely talking about system overhaul. But I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go out and uh, reform the justice system just yet. I'm, I'm mainly thinking in terms of processes and uh, just really uh, a lot of the work that I've done on automating contracts has always looked at, you know, you've got to get the contract document organised and the contract process they work together and kind of tumble around each other, so that the process that you need to go in informs the automation, but also the document itself. So that's kind of one one particular system. But then, how do you systematize your advice? How do you systematize the intake process? What's the best way? Because you can actually, you know, you've probably you um, in your team, you would have different lawyers doing things in different ways, even if you might have a particular process that you use. You, if you've got a you know an in-house legal team or a, or a law firm there would be some people who are amazing at certain aspects of that onboarding of the particular system of giving a particular type of advice but you could go and ask and, and you could create like the world's best system based on your experts within your team so you find out who's doing it the best and you kind of tweak it and so that, I don't know if that did I? I did say systems enough. I think so. It's it's yeah, process and systems, whether or not there's technology, because you can have a system that's just dot points on paper, and then that is going to get you in a really good position to be able to apply the technology, because you have to write it out anyway. So you might as well write it out when you're not paying someone else to do it.
0: Right. Absolutely. And if your systems is not fixed then it's just overlaying technology over something that is not working and you're not going to end up achieving the results that you are looking for. So earlier on I missed a question from you Verity to Karina. You asked her what methods do you you use to identify waste in legal processes?
1: I think Verity actually answered her own question um, in in some of the discussion that she, she had now. And it, it, you know, it really isn't. I, I want to
2: know what you do, Karina. I'm excited to hear how you find ways. <laughs> no, well, I I, perfect... I, I always say that I think
1: some of the best time that I've spent in my career has been in, in, uh, you know, continuous business improvement and, and learning about the theatre production system and lean and, and so forth. And it really is applying those those principles with within legal. So about standardization, about you know, trying to eliminate variation. And, and trying to look really, trying to identify those those significant pain points, um, and and you know the yeah you know, the, the pieces of work that takes you know an anordinate amount of time and it doesn't make sense and it's not necessary. And so um, you know it's not it's not applying all of those very scientifically at present, but it's starting that and, and you know linked as I said earlier, changing the mindset and, and really changing the focus of the team in terms of just being open to asking that question and wanting to improve continuously and wanting to think about things things differently
0: right i think we have three minutes left and a question from tyson he wants to see us what role does machine learning have in the overall contract life cycle um anyone like to take that question for tyson <laughs>
2: I'm happy to take it because it's um, for me, machine learning doesn't have heaps of impact for the work that I do just yet. Um, I think it can have an amazing impact. I'm really excited to start getting involved. I've I've been involved in some projects where uh, you're helping to train uh, the AI bot to how it's going to read and respond and look at things. Um, So I'm excited. About the concept of it, I don't know that I. I think it's it's uh, not easy to dip into if you. Uh, you kind of have to go all in. I think you have to jump in, and, and give it a try. Um, but I don't have the. I, Karina, I'm not sure if you have machine learning and contract lifecycle. Oh, uh, so, you <laughs> know, I think from a.
0: No go for it, Karina.
1: Please do. <laughs> no, 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 I just wanted to say. Diligence perspective and 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 from extracting um, you know specific information more than than you know moving into more advanced sort of drafting and, and 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 you know that kind of solution.
0: Yeah, sure. So I think I just have a parting thought on it that our machine learning always needs to be used, especially in terms of um, the legal infrastructure in conjunction with human intelligence, right? You hear so many lawyers asking the questions, will will, um, AI ever take over the role of the lawyer? absolutely not i do not think so but can it make the life of the lawyer and especially in terms of your contract life cycle much easier absolutely instead of having to upload all of those clauses onto a repository you're able to auto extract it within two minutes three minutes instead of taking all their time verity you were talking about force majeure i'm sure you had hundreds of contracts that you needed to look through so if you're able to apply machine learning over a large data set you're able to just extract that a whole lot easier so yes it could make our life so much easier in the last minute any one-liner parting um thoughts that you'd like to leave with our audience
1: i think from my side uh, and we are all different stages as we said earlier on um, and i think the most important step to take is to take that conscious step towards um, innovative thought and and you know trying to change the narrative and the very traditional this narrative um, of of many of our our legal colleagues, um, and and to commit to that and and, uh, to drive that forward.
0: Fairety, apart from systems, systems
2: Uh, again. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I guess touching on that kind of machine learning overarching question, I would say to get involved because we need diverse thinking at the moment it's probably been leaning out one particular way with particular types of people who are involved in these projects I'm starting to it's great that other people are getting involved so if you are at all interested in machine learning or AI uh, just start just, Yeah, I would I would encourage you to start because I don't know that it's uh, had it hasn't had the impact yet because I don't think we've had the right enough people kind of getting involved and in having that diversity of thinking and diverse voices that are training up the AI, that are teaching teaching the machine learning what to do. So get involved, I suppose, is my... and sis, get involved in systems. <laughs> <This is best. laughs>
0: thank you very much, Bertie. thank you very much, Karina.